Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle, Eric Cabral. On this episode, I think there's a lot of people that just by talent, likability, and will, they, they run a pretty good business. I mean, it's not bad. It's not like I'm vilifying. I mean, they run a pretty damn good business. But if you want to take it to eight figures or you want to expand your footprint or go into areas you haven't, you have to be able to, what I would say, multiply. You have now entered the entrepreneur circle. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Circle, where we've built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our eureka moments, and embrace the F word, meaning failure, which I've come to realize that failure is success in progress. I'm Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place, one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission. And I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. Hey, I'm so glad you're here because I don't often get the opportunity to share with you exactly what I do and what we do here at On Air Brands. So we help the folks in our community and our clients to launch a podcast and then produce them on a weekly basis. We also help to promote each episode with close to a dozen social media posts that consist of quote cards, sound bites, and video clips. And then we post them for you on your socials automatically. So if you're a business owner with a ton on your plate, and a podcast just seems super overwhelming, I get it. We don't need one more thing to worry about. So let me and my team at On Air Brands do the heavy lifting each week so that you can focus on what you do best, which is to build your business, have more time to pour into your family and your community, or just plain chill and recharge. So feel free to email me at eric at On Air Brands so that we can book time together to chat about how we can align with your mission and how you can align with ours, which is to make the world better one mic at a time. Now back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. I'm your most happy and humbled host, Eric Cabral. And with me today, like many other days, I'm truly blessed to have someone that I want to introduce you to, who I had a wonderful conversation with uh, weeks prior. Uh, I want you folks driving, doing your chores, hitting the gym to meet Joe Blackburn. <laughs> What's up, Eric? I, I wanted to say it that way just because, you know, meet Joe Black, but I, yeah. I, I didn't do the pause properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's been a running gonna... joke for my adult I am life. Sure. I know. As I was showering up, I was like, I'm going to do that. And I know 100% like he's he's heard that a thousand times. But yeah, sorry. I had to do it. I apologize. Okay, folks. So there's an amazing guy in the room here. He's going to share a ton of of experience and value for you, uh, especially if you're a business owner and you're sort of struggling. Like I, 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 I went through Joe's stuff and it's me, so it may be you. And I'm guessing that uh, you may need Joe's help. Uh, so Joe spent the majority of his career uh, with Merrill Lynch. So if you don't know Merrill Lynch, um, I'm sure you do. <laughs> and um, he, he, he just 
created such an amazing uh, career for himself, but then has moved on to become a distinguished coach, a financial planner, and the founder of what he has now, which is Lion's Eye Coaching. He's an industry expert in financial services. He's won the Focal Point Rookie of the Year for coaching in 2021, uh, the Brian Tracy Award recipient for sales excellence, and he's also helped clients 3x and 7x their gross revenues. So he's got a wide variety of luxury retail industry to real real estate overall wealth management. Um, he's just an overall great guy. Uh, you're really truly going to enjoy this conversation um, as we jump into it with Joe. So again, brother, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Good to be here. Yeah, man. So let's get into the first segment of the show, which I love to call the Eureka moment. What was the Eureka moment in your life that caused you to make a major change or pivot? Well, um, it was pretty crystal clear. Uh, I, I have five kids. My wife was diagnosed with cancer. I was the director for Merrill Lynch. I had all of Illinois and Iowa, ex downtown Chicago, you know, on the road three and four nights a week. And I don't know if any of you guys are paying attention to the corporate and political climate in the world. I didn't uh, agree with everything going on at that level. And just, you know, I found myself doing things that I didn't really want to do and, and kind of building someone else's dream and, and running their game plan and, and goals. And I just said, you know what, despite all the security, the, the bird comp, the big salary, the status, all those things, I'm going to go do my own thing. And uh, I called my boss one day on a Tuesday morning, uh, and let him know, uh, he hung up on me, called me back, you know, 15 minutes later. And we started, you know, some form of negotiation and I was already gone. I just said, I'm out, man, I'm done. Yeah. Um, so I ripped the bandaid off. I, w I went out and started this business and it's been great ever since I get to do what I love all day long with great people. And it's been a blast. Yeah. You're, you're you and I are cut from the same cloth. I had the exact same experience. Um, what, was there any particular moment, um, that you can recall that was a game changer? Um, you know, some, some moment, um, you know, driving in your car or, you know, taking a shower and you're like, or was it, was it a lot of moments no, like I that, that led up to? Yeah. No, I have one. Um, and I'm going to vilify the person and, and sorry, don't have to mention it, but, um, my wife had a double mastectomy on January the 4th which was a Friday of 2019. And it was a, you know, all in probably about 13 hours. And halfway through, they uh, let you know, hey, we, we're at this point, we're good, everything's going. And, and the, my boss at the time that the office checked in and I said, Susan's doing great. We're going into the reconstruction, everything, you know, all fired up. And he was like, hey, that's awesome. How do you think your scorecard's going to end up? And I was like, I, and at that, that moment, I was, I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. Wow. Cause you know, we were, we were, ju we were judged on, a, on metrics and, you know, yeah. I, and I know he had to deliver those, you know, like some sort of commentary to his boss probably the following week. And that was just showed me that this isn't the place for me, man. I don't need to be coddled, but you know, yeah, th that was, that was the mo the moment I was like, I'm out of corporate America. I'm done. Yeah, I to do my yeah. own thing. I don't need it, and I can help a ton of people. So, Oof. yeah, I could see that, man. I could see, you know, just the the lack of empathy, or just you know, I get it. We're all human. 
Um, but yeah, just not being able to recognize because everyone's just caught up in their own shit. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, is, you know, he's probably getting ready to get a shit storm to him the next oh, week. Yeah. So he wants to be prepared. I got it. But I was like, you know, yeah. not a bad person. It's just the whole system, bureaucracy and politics and all that stuff. It just, it's toxic. Um, it's not, I don't, I don't need the, you know, the pseudo security to be successful and do the things I want and grow the wealth I want and help the people I want. I just, I don't need that. Um, yeah. And I got a lot of friends back there that are, you know, they're great people, but they will eat a shit sandwich on a daily basis <laughs> just for that. And that's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was right. It, it, it was, I'm sure. And so was yeah. I. I, I had that napkin wrapped around my neck, bro. <laughs> I was like, oh, with the fork uh, and the knife, man, at the table. I yeah. had, I had our fourth and fifth kids were twins. They were born in the knee and like had to stay in the NICU. And my wife had to live at the hospital to nurse them. And it was when I was in the leadership development program, I took two days off. Mm, wow. So I was running my advisory business. I had an office that was my primary responsibility and then the leadership development, which is a third job. So I get, I mean, I was making sacrifices that, yeah. you know, you had to make. I don't know that you have to make them anymore. They've changed kind of the game plan. But back then, when that job meant something, you had to prove your willingness and have results and have a brand. And and I would I was, you know, relentless in that. And then I got up to the top of the ladder, as the great Stephen Covey said, "You put your ladder on the wrong wall." But I wouldn't mm. trade. By the way, I can't do what I'm doing now if I didn't do that. So I have right. no regrets around it. I yeah. and I have great relationships from it. I just it wasn't for me. Mm. So take me through the steps, you know, you know, sort of not just the mindset, but the the actionary steps that you started to take. Like, did you take a few weeks off? Did you already have the game plan? Like, I'm going to build this type of business. Did you have to get sign off from your wife? Like, how did that all play out? Well, I I made, you know, I haven't made a lot of great decisions, but one of my best was the one to marry. And she's wonderful. You know, she's got the attitude like, hey, I trust you. I know you're going to do what's right for us. So go for it. She didn't, you know after the initial shock of, I told her I'm leaving Merrill. Uh, I mean, but that was normal. She was like, Hey, do it. Um, you know, that was in January. I didn't leave until May. So I started thinking what, a, you know, I, I looked at a couple options. I know, I knew I, I mean, I know that I love to coach and I love to be, you know, engaged and, and strategizing. And I'm, that's not, I mean, it's in my wheelhouse. So that's what I like to do. Um, so I knew it was that I wasn't quite sure how to do it. I was actually, our church isn't too far from here. I've, I'm a big uh, John Maxwell fan. So I read a lot of Maxwell and a lot of, you know, the, the, the OGs, Maxwell, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, everybody. Um, and I was actually sitting in church and I'm like, kind of asking, you know, like, what am I going to do? And the name Brian Tracy popped into my head. Hmm. And I, I think I'd read it in one of John's books, their buddies. And, and I knew a little bit about Brian, but not a lot. And, I went home and Googled Brian Tracy and he just so happens to have a, a coaching franchise called Focal Point. That's like his life's work and it's organized and everything. And I still use some of that. That's how I got off the ground. And you know, you want to, you when you, when you go from being paid to lead to having someone pay you to lead them, you better have something that gets results. I mean, there's a lot of people online and in the world that sell stuff. I'm not hundred percent convinced their, their clients actually benefit. Um, so I want to, you know, I, I really was, looking for 
more of a platform than just some ideas and, and my experience in it. You know, so I dug into that. I, I started talking to the, that group and, and got to know them and, and I liked it. It felt good. The, the, you know, the technical aspects of it that weren't always my strong suit were kind of there. So it gave me the ability to immediately start helping people. You know, I got out of the gate for 60 days out. I had replaced my salary. Now that doesn't mean I'd replace my compensation hmm. because I was comped in two ways, but my salary, what we lived on, because we didn't live on the, you know, the bonus, so to speak, or in the deferred comp and everything. But I, I didn't expect it to be that fast, quite frankly, but I just got out of the gate quick. And that confidence that I have no doubts this is going to work for you really helped me. I mean, at the end of the day, if I don't believe in what I'm doing, then no one else is going to believe it. So there's, you know, the, like I said, I, I don't want to throw shade on the coaching world. I'm a big part of it, but there's some authenticity that sometimes is hard to detect. And, you know, I, I believe your client's results are all that matter, right? Like if they're getting results, they stay and they, and they grow, you know, people vote with their feet. So if it's not working, you have no clients. I mean, it's, you know, you can, you can bullshit the world, but like, go check your bank account. If people aren't staying with you and, and doing business with you, then you're, there's something wrong. So that that's kind of the barometer more than anything is, is client results. And that's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. And I've, you know, I've got a bunch of different ways to help people, but at the end of the day, they have to get results. Like it's, you know, otherwise it's therapy and I'm not good at that. <laughs> I mean, I can do a little bit of, a little bit of it, uh, but I'm not nurturing, you know, is not my strong suit, uh, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, in, in, in a previous conversation that we had, you had mentioned, you know, like you don't hear a lot about results in our environment. And also, um, you know, if, if you, if, you don't get ROI that with me, then, then, then you can quit or, or, you know, well, you didn't say, I don't know if you said, I'll give you your money back, but yeah. you were basically making a stand and statement saying, so being so confident, uh, what's, what are some of the ways that you determined that, you know, okay, we're going to cover some clear metrics. We're going to you know, get some KPIs in yeah. place. Like how, how do you handle that with, with well, clients? There's, there's two sets of metrics, right? There's the, the science of your business. So the revenue, your net revenue. I mean, you, look, I had, to, I had to make things work across a two-state geography and nine offices with a 35% cut year over year in budget and no resources. The resources didn't come out of Chicago to go to Champaign, Illinois or to Springfield. <laughs> they were not real interested in helping. So I got really good at winning with the team I had and the resources we had. So when I sit down with a, a business owner or when we onboard, one of the things I look at really quick is like, where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your money? Let me see what your financials look like. And do you even have a scoreboard? I, you know, I have a saying that uh, people lie, numbers don't, and people generally lie to themselves about their numbers, meaning they tell themselves things are better than they are because it's a pacifier against the anxiety of running a business. But when you start to dig into it, it's generally not the case, you know, I, there are times when I look at the math in our business and I'm like, I mean, I thought we were having a better month than that. <laughs> in my <laughs> mind, I thought things were better, but you got to like, the numbers don't lie. So that's really where we start. It's like, what are you really doing? How much money are you wasting? You know, what's your waste and where are your goals? I mean, I, I'm a big believer in results and goals that, you know, everything else is just kind of minutia. It's like, what are your targets? And that's how you start the process of getting results is, you know, it's the old silly managers saying what gets measured and gets done. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's trite because guess what? As monotonous as it is, it's true. <laughs> now, I don't make it complicated. You know, I, I believe your scoreboard, like my fifth grader should be able to walk into your office and look at your visible whiteboard scoreboard and or your, you know, your spreadsheet and know if you're winning. Like yeah. that, it, you know, I don't, my principles of my business, the last one is simple. If it's not simple, it's generally not being done and I don't even want to do it. You know, you, you got to get better at multiplication, meaning leverage in your business, but you don't have to be doing calculus unless your business is coding or something like that. Like go from adding subtraction to multiplication. That's enough. That's how you let, that's the simple way to leverage a business. And most people get stuck in addition. They just mm-hmm. want to add one more thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one client or, or one employee, which is a building block on it. But if you're really going to get big, you, you have to be able to multiply. And yeah. most of that isn't skill set, it's mindset. I love that. Can you give examples of that? I, I love that. people. Most people just deal with addition, but not multiplication. Well, yeah, can you- I, I do, the businesses I tend to deal with are more family team oriented, <laughs> meaning they're not, it's not like where I had 200 employees and you know, $119 million in revenue and complexity and red tape. It's generally five to 15 people and they're, you know, not just in one silo, meaning your people kind of have to be able to do everything. They may have an expertise or anything like that. But the, generally, the person leading that business was just the best person at that thing. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's already unconscious competence for them to add another unit. If it's, an, if it's a client, if they're selling real estate, it's selling the house. If it's, you know, I have a, a client that's a jeweler that went from below seven figures to he's going to go north of 3 million now. Um, mm. You know, it's not selling one more engagement ring. It's buying the competitor or strategically mm. partnering with someone that you, you share. Like I, I think in the online world, which is a little newer to me, they call it affiliates. Not sure how I feel about that, but I, I call those relationships influencer relationships, not because they're influencing on Instagram. They have influence on the client, meaning you both have a financial benefit to helping one individual. Mm-hmm. So you, your influence gives the person sending them to you that already knows, likes, and trusts that person. They're going to likely do business, but you could do that in a strategic partnership it could be recruiting the right person, but it's not just the next service associate or the next unit. It's someone that can multiply. You know, mm-hmm. if I can find someone that can, or develop them even better that I already have, that can do 75% of what I can do, that's a huge multiplication because that frees up an enormous amount of my time to create, to have vision, to do bigger things, that type of thing. Yeah. So that's where we, you know, I start to look at if there's an opportunity there. But I will say this, Eric, if your gusher, meaning your primary line of revenue or and or income is small or is not well refined, it's hard to multiply. So, you know, I I look at it as like let's make sure that's really stable and growing before we do anything cuz I, you know, I think there's a lot of people that just by talent, likability, and will, they, they run a pretty good business. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. bad. It's not like I'm vilifying them. I mean, they run a pretty damn good business. But if you want to take it to eight figures or you want to, you know, expand your footprint or go into areas you haven't, you have to be able to, to what I would say, multiply. And yeah. I think 
everybody and their dog online is trying to say, be an eight-figure entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. That's why I didn't, I mean, I can put on my website anything, be like 10X. Well, no, have you actually done it? <laughs> like yeah. I don't say things that unless I can look at their growth and say, all right, we've actually done that. Right, right. There, there's a, I got a bunch of questions here. I'm like, which one do I ask first? Because well, what, one statement that I can make is that, um, you know, you can easily say, yeah, I want to go from six to seven and then seven to eight figures. Um, you know, not having the right people on on your team that has experienced something like that. And, and my assumption is you have experienced these things um, in order to shine a light on the avenues and, and, and the whole the potholes and all the things that you're like, I had no idea that that was going to occur because you've never been here before. Yeah, um, it's so critical. And I'm, I'm very aware of that. It's like, OK, what got me here isn't going to necessarily get me there. And I don't know what I don't know. And I got to find people that know way more than I do. And like you said, 75 percent, if not more, um, in some specific role in my company that, you know, I, I, my goal is ultimately, yeah, and as you're speaking, you're speaking literally to me, and I know the audience is listening, so hopefully they're benefiting. Um, but I'm seeing this as a one-on-one for me. Um, is that um, it's 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 tough, right? It's 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 all challenging, right? And and like you said, there's mindset involved. There's there's to get into a multiplier mindset um, takes work too. And I know that's not your specialty in getting into the you know the psyche of people, but. Being able to, so how do you sort of work with those clients? And I'm sure you have, you know, well, a good portion of people that are like, dude, I can't get there, man. I may have misspoken. I said therapy and therapy mm. is dealing with the past. I'm great at dealing with the future or Love even it. the present. I can't fix your past. I'm not qualified to really give you the, the true solution and or route to do that. You know, I, I'm like most Midwestern kids. Like I just fucking deal with it. <laughs> you know, excuse my language. It's like, yeah. you know, if you just do it. My experience has been this. And, and I, I like acronyms. I don't know why, because it helps me remember stuff. And I got a lot of shit going on in my head. So excuse my language. But so if you want to start multiplying the way to, the way to do that, and I call it fast because people want things fast. Speed is king in today's. So I call it fast because the, if you really want it, the first thing you have to do is take a big leap of faith. Let's see. Like, because if you can't take the leap, you will, what if yourself to nothing? Like it's, there's like you said, it's complicated. It's too many. What ifs my head's first of all, just leap, then do a massive action. You know, the, the old 80, 20 rule applies. 80% of the stuff you're going to do isn't going to result in anything. So you might as well do mm. it. You don't know right? Like you don't, right. I'm not one of those people that says, if you do these five things to a T and say everything that I tell you to say, that's going to work. I have no idea. What I do know is that's a law. Pareto is a law. It's not my opinion. It's not Pareto's opinion. So we know if you take massive action towards where you're wanting to go, you're going to find the things. And I measure that. Like I have something I call feed the beast and it's like all these different activities. And then we want to know your batting average. Like if you suck mm -hmm. at networking and you know, networking is one letter away from not working. I've seen a lot of people do that. They go and drink at everything and they're the life of the party and they never pivot and ask for business. So if, you, mm. if that's not your wheelhouse, you stink at it, why would you spend a bunch of time there? Mm. But I don't know if you're good at it or not. So right. we have to take this big leap of faith with massive action with a strategic direction. Meaning if you want to sit down and write out a 50 page business plan, well, great, go raise capital. Uh, my people, that's not my game. <laughs> Right. Like if you need to, it, these people already have a pretty good business. 
you just need strategic direction, meaning I'd like to stop being the one that does everything. And I want to hit, you know, $10 million in gross revenue or 5 million in net revenue or a million in net revenue. So I ask strategic direction and then we can get surgical with the tactics. But Hmm. most people want to start with the strategic plan, deploy a couple of tactics and see if they work because they don't want to look stupid. Hmm. And then they have faith. Well, that's not faith because you actually got some results. The faith is when you don't know so fast, like leave of faith, massive action, strategic direction. Then what tactics are we going to hone in on? That's a process. It's not hard to do. Takes a little bit of guts. It's, I mean, maybe hard is not the right word. It's not complicated. You're already doing it. By the way, like if you are, most of the people I'm working with, they're not, I have a beginner's thing, but they're not beginners. It's, Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like they've, they've gotten to a little place of being either complacent or unsure. It could be both. Like, I don't, you know, we're not starving to death. We take two vacations a year and, you know, I still do, I golf on the weekends or I do wine events, whatever. I mean, life's not terrible. They're not dying. I'm not, you know, those people you see on Facebook where like some husband's crying and they're carrying a sandbag over their head, sweating. That's not, I mean, I think that's cool and everything, but that's not me. Like, <laughs> That's not that's not my that's not the person that I help. It's the person that's like, you know, it's kind of. I mean, it's kind of like how you you say I'm talking to you. Well, I'm kind of talking to me. I was like when, when mm-hmm. I left, I was 42. I mean, I could have toughed it out and made, you know, the old rule in, in that game was if you make it, if you don't get shot, I mean, you don't get fired. You make it 10 years, you're going to retire. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You just got to outrun the bullet. Bullets out of the chamber. Outrun. It. Move around. <laughs> You know, don't get fired. Don't do something stupid. Use some good judgment. Help some people. Eat the shit sandwiches. Don't complain too much. Right. But it's like, I run into a lot of people, and they're younger now, which is interesting to me. Yeah. That are like, man, I, you know, there's something inside of them that's just like, I know I could be doing more. Mm-hmm. You know, that yep. deep, like, it's just, it's easy. I always, I always know when I talk to someone there's an air and I'm guilty of it too. There's an air of you're bullshitting the people outside of you, but inside, you know, damn good and well that you could be doing more than you're doing. You could be taking more risk and it's all risky. So like staying where you're at, it's risky. Mm-hmm. I've seen good people get fired <laughs> for no, for oh, yeah. no reason. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know what this likens, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a geeky callback and I'm sure you'll get this reference. And so <clears throat> people who are listening and, do you remember the character Cypher in The Matrix as he yeah. was having dinner with one of the agents, uh, filet mignon rare, and he's looking at the piece on his fork and he's like, I know this isn't real. Um, and he wanted back, like he wanted to get put back into The Matrix. And that's what I felt like corporate America was for me for 21 years. It's like you go in and, you know, we're not plugged in the back of our necks, but, you know, it's it's kind of like you're a drone where you're you're, you're going through the motions, like you said, eating the shit sandwiches, saying yes, uh, taking a stand here and there, but for the most part, not trying to, you know, create too many ripples. And then, um, and then at the end of the day, you go home and you watch TV, you eat some chips, you know, maybe you smoke something, maybe you drink something. <laughs> and then it's just the next, then another year goes by and then another holiday goes by and you're like, where the half, what happened to two decades of my life i that's what happens it's the matrix man and then I, when you get out you're like this shit is hard out here uh, yeah. now i'm eating goop <laughs> no, no, uh, there's robots after me now <laughs> i've helped a couple people out of the so-called matrix you know 
Yeah. And I'll say this, that, and I had to go through this, and I'm sure you did too. You have to be de- deinstitutionalized. Mm-hmm. I, I found, you know, a lot of my role was risk and litigation and, and things like that. I found myself looking for rules that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. It was a constraint. I'm like, well, well, you can't do it. No, if you're honest, you have integrity and you put the client first, you can do it anything you want. Right? right. And I would be looking, well, you know, like my brain was programmed to find the rule or find the, you know, the risk, so to speak, when there isn't one. And that's, it's a, I mean, it's not, I got to be careful. Look, that most people, that's the right place for them, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I know a lot of great people, but when Illinois went to lockdown in March of 20, mm-hmm. and there's no corporate salary backing you up, and the world's in complete chaos, and no one knows what's going on, and ever, and the political and media are bananas. Like mm-hmm. being out here in the wild, wild west isn't exactly pleasant. So I think a yeah. lot of people will trade. You know, we're we're conditioned to survive. So mm-hmm. if I'm not dying there, I'm probably staying there. Right. But there's a few that they're like, I can't stay here. So, but yes, the the institutionalization. It's, but it's also how they, it's, that's the survival there because there are rules that are unwritten that you have to abide by to not get, you know, clipped. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's a governing body, right? There's (laughs) laws, there's bylaws, right? There's all sorts of, it's, it's, it's a weird sort of thing, man. You know, you, and then you jump from one to the other and they all have, well, I know you stayed in Merrill for a long time, but for me, I was jumping from pharma to pharma. All, all, all kind of looked the same, but wasn't exactly, um, you know, especially everyone has their own culture. Um, but anyway, not to, to go too deep uh, into the rabbit hole about all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't miss it. I, I do. I do miss what I think it was Jim Rohn said, um, you know, that weekly paycheck, you know, that was guaranteed. You're going to make that money, those bonuses. Um, you know, that's the most addicting thing uh, second to heroin. And um, yeah. You know, but whereas, you know, if, if you're out here and you're listening to this and you have your own business, you know, Joe's speaking my language. Um, hopefully he's speaking yours. Um, one question I did have, Joe, in terms of um, when you're working with people and you're creating milestones and you're creating a strategic plan for them, how do you hold these business uh, owners accountable? How, how do they hold themselves accountable? And then, like, what's the repercussions if they don't do something? Because a lot of these guys lose it, right? They lose the motivation, the discipline? Well, it's, I have, I operate from a platform, number one. So we have the ability to, you know, require them to feed into it. I call it feed the beast. So you have a document that's feeding the beast. We check it. I hold you accountable to it. I had, you know, my job isn't to make you feel good. You should just feel good from what you're doing. My job is to tell the unvarnished truth at all times. And I, you know, I did a lot of one-on-one. I do more of a immersion now where it's got a mastermind component it's got some one-on-one work it's got a community it's i mean it's pretty encompassing but at at the end of the day it's you know i i take it back to something as simple as this if you and i were at a restaurant and i was sitting across from you and you had mustard on your chin and i didn't say hey man before you get up because you got another meeting you got something on your chin because i didn't want to feel the uncomfortableness of confronting that Mm -hmm. Like that's simple. If I say, if I don't do that, then when you're really doing something that's blowing you up, what could you expect from me? Mm -hmm. So in my coaching, you know, I'm not mean spirited, 
but I am direct. That's what you're paying for. You're, you're paying for someone to put the mirror in front of you and say, this is what I, you know, I see it now. Do you see it? And that alone, people get after a while kind of conditioned. It's funny in our group calls, they'll, you know, they'll be, if I, if they, someone says they're going to do something, they'll catch themselves and then they'll put a deadline on it. Cause I don't let someone say, well, I'm going to go do that. Okay. When, by when mm-hmm. it's, it's not complicated. It's little things that if you help people get their mind around them, they start to do it without you having to be the one holding them accountable. But we have the tool set, so to speak, meaning mm-hmm. the spreadsheet, the accountability check-in, all those things. But I think the accountability is the honesty. Mm. You, you know I'm going to be honest with you. So if I say something to you or I ask you a question, you know the motive. And that's what accountability is. I'm not doing it for me. Like, I, you know, when I was in in the, the matrix, we're going to call it that now. Uh, my coaching was for not for the person I was coaching. It was for the agenda. It was for the scorecard. Mm-hmm. It was for the, the company vision. Mm-hmm. Like I was coaching you. They, ha- they called it fuel, by the way. But at the end of the day, the outcome was the one I wanted. Mm-hmm. That way they, I was taught that. Well, this is the one you want. I don't care what your outcome is. I mean, I'm going to put, if you tell me it's, if it's small, I'm going to make, I mean, then I will press, but that's my job. Like I should see a bigger you than you see, but I have no vested interest in anything other than you accomplishing your goal. Mm -hmm. So that dynamic, that's what, you know, think about it this way for a minute. And I don't want to get into our business. If I'm off track, let me know. But, you know, like people work for big companies, pay coaches because of the, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's an unbiased third party that doesn't have an, now if it's paid for by your boss, be leery. If it's a company mastermind or something like that, then they have an agenda. But if it's truly someone not tied to the organization, that's not paid by them because they, you know, I've been on those calls. They ask you if you want to help the organization and then tell you the laundry list of shit they want done. It's the same thing. It's the same manipulation through a different tunnel. But if you're just doing it on your own and you're going out and finding someone, there's a, the, the realness of that is what you should be looking for. Yeah. I love it, dude. It's powerful stuff, man. I wanted to um, dip our toe into something that we had chatted about earlier. Okay. Uh, just because it's, it's, it's relevant, it's topical. And I'm curious because you said something that I actually, it, it embedded. It was a really good quote. Um, and you said, AI cannot commoditize chemistry. Correct. I don't know if you heard that somewhere, brother, but that's a good one. I was like, I'm giving, I'm giving Joe Blackburn that credit. Um, I forgot I AI, said that and I'm glad you said it because we're going to use it. Yeah. I mean, that should probably be the quote just so people, you know, it's, it's the hook. Uh, so they come listen to this show, but um, it's so true. Uh, it's so powerful. AI cannot commoditize chemistry. Can you, can you expand on that? And obviously, you know, anyone who's listening to this, hopefully you have jumped in or, or, or you've heard about it at least, but uh, yeah, it's all the rage. It's going crazy and right. everybody's leveraging it or they're, 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 they're hiding under their mattress, hiding <laughs> under the bed. Um, yeah. Let's talk about well, this a little bit. It's, you know, it, it came from, and it's everywhere on the internet now, chat GPT and all that stuff. I mean, that's all everyone's talking about. And mm-hmm. there's a fear fact. I mean, you you should have a little chill about, hey, man, you know, that thing reads and has seen every video and all the information. It's <laughs> kind of like what can what has been commoditized is knowledge. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. you know, if I sat here and pretended like I had some secret that you didn't have or have access to, anybody who does that, I'd run. Uh, mm-hmm. Because all the knowledge in the world is at your fingertips in a heartbeat. But we, our, our mastermind was talking about it and you, and how do you, you know, like, okay, great. 
I can sit here and be scared of it, but how do I use it? So where they're finding some value in it was like, you know, within your staffing, your staff, whether it's your service or sales, and there's little things that you can do that take time, energy, and thought that probably if you just asked it, like, you know, formulate this email or whatever. And I know in the agency space, they're doing the copywriting and stuff with it. But I started thinking about like my in-person in Tampa and like, it was great. Like my in-person mastermind and I'm great. But what was great was the chemistry. Hmm. Like the, 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 the tangible chemistry of, you know, that group of people and that feeling, you know, it's like going to a concert or going, I don't know what I meant by what that is. If we're going to be competitive and still try to help people, our souls know what's real. They know like, I, you know, and, and again, you're going to bullshit yourself that you don't, but it does. Like I can tell someone doesn't have to talk to me for me to tell what's wrong with them. I mean, how many times you walk in here, I'll give you one. How many times you walk into the house and everybody's quiet. You're like, <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Or you get on a call. I mean, the human, we're still humans and yeah, robots. I, I don't know, man. All I know is this. I believe I have a soul and you can't commoditize that. And my soul knows mm-hmm. your soul and the people I work with, it's, you know, it's not sterile. I talk like I'm talking now this is how I talk all the time. And, you know, it just, there's a humanity to it. And I don't think you can commoditize that. And I also think that, and this is just in my head. I also think that there is a deep yearning for that chemistry hmm. because it's everything else. Like, and I'm guilty of this. I, I mean, we're not in person. I run a business across the country. Some of these people I've never met, but there is a chemistry to us being close. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to replicate that. And you have a deep yearning for it. And so for my people, I want to remind them of that. And I also want to give that to them. We, you know, it, if we, tr- if we ever lose that, if it does, if the chemistry becomes commoditized, then we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know it's hard to imagine how it would be commoditized i, I think we're gonna see the uh, pendulum I, yeah. I, you know like you're seeing you're seeing yes the skill sets for all of us have to change I, all that stuff but at the end of the day we still smell each other without mm-hmm. smelling each other when you're close right. to me there's something and I don't know that it's physiological. I think it's inside. Like there is an mm-hmm. energy to me that is different than yours, but ours may attract or repel. I just think you can't commoditize that. If you ignore it, you can still run a business, but if you want to remain competitive, learn how to harness the chemistry. I'm not great at it. I just focus on mm-hmm. it. Like I want my, I want that to be, you know, I, and by the way, my business model when I, I went from all one-on-one, which was great, but that's in a vacuum. Like the mm-hmm. only person really benefiting from that is the client and me as the coach. Whereas when you bring it and it's uncomfortable, when you bring that more to the group or to the mastermind, now it's a different animal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's collective chemistry there. We have our one-on-one chemistry, but also the collective chemistry. And I, I had gotten away from, when I did leave, Merrill, I had gotten away from event type stuff. I did a bunch of those, but they were terrible. Like you got like one piss break and you went <laughs> way past time. And 
It's ice you cold know? in there. Yeah, it was just like it was. St- <laughs> it was trying to ram as much value into something and perceived by the people who put it together as humanly possible because mm-hmm. they're paying for it on the line item expense versus making it a real experience. Now they're great. They're five. I mean, they have deep pockets of five stars. The food was good, but the chemistry was off. Because mm-hmm. you know, and b- part of that too, Eric, is the motive. Yeah. Like you, if you bring me in a, into a group, like why? What, what's the purpose? Why am I here? And why do you mm-hmm. want me here? The mine is so that you get better results faster and it feels great. Like, you know, in our business, from the business aspect of this, for what you and I do, whether it's coaching, podcasting, people are paying you for how they feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, they want the results, but there's an, there's, that's tangible. The intangible is, do I really like this? And do I want it? And is it benefit? You know, there's a, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Um, it's not easy and people have to be a little more, you know, like in mastermind when I get them, some people aren't used to getting up in front of a big group of people and telling them mm-hmm. their biggest dreams, their 10 year vision, and, you know, yeah. where they want to go. Like that's out of the wheelhouse, but they, uh, the feedback I got from that, like was, I was glad that I had two people that I knew were going to be challenger. They're glad they did it. So yeah. anyway, I just, to answer the, I know I went long winded, but I think the future for this space is you have to be able to create a lot of chemistry between other people. I think mm-hmm. and everybody's got a Facebook group and a community and all. I, I don't know if that's the answer. Uh, right. I like what I'm doing. It, I know it's real and I got to figure out ways to keep it going, man. That's, you know, and keep it valuable. Yeah. Cause there's a flip side to that familiarity, right? Like, Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I think one of the big reasons your, your event was so successful, um, was leading up to it, you had a lot of one-on-ones, you had a lot of time invested and you poured into a ton of people. So by the time they got into the room and, and you could share how many years probably collectively it was by the time they all met physically, um, it was it was speed to, you know, chemistry, communication, you know, love, hugs and all those things yeah. because you guys already knew each other. Um, you know, I accomplished this, you know, through podcasting too, just because there's thousands of episodes out there and people get to know me over time and listen, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then you also like you're doing it in a very effective way too, where you're communicating with people and you're sharing and you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the trenches with them. So of course, <laughs> by the time they show up, they're like, sir, you know, like, and then, and I, yeah, then, and then everyone's that. vulnerable. Right. Yes. But, and then, and then everybody just feels like in a safe place. Um, so yeah, I, I love I love the the trajectory. I love the structure. Um, it makes total sense. I'm hoping that I can uh, peek my head in and make a guest appearance oh, at some point and, and see what's going on and you know pay good dollar to get in as well. I like both. <laughs> um, <laughs> because no, I, I, both both exactly. Yeah. But no, I appreciate what you're doing um, because I know it comes from the heart. I know you're genuine, dude. Um, and you know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can we can continue the conversation, you know, beyond just shows and podcasts yeah, and things like that. Um, but I do want to get into the last segment of the show, brother, where we talk about failure. And I like to call this segment embrace the F word, of course, meaning failure. So if you could share a story and experience something that you like it had to experience in order for this to happen. Well, give me one second. Um, yeah. I've ha- I mean, I try to have you know, 10 failures by 10 every morning. Cause if you're not doing that, you're not doing anything. Uh, I heard that from an old army general that I went to some workshop. He's like, you gotta have 10 by 10. And that sunk into me. I'm like, that's pretty good. If you're, 
messing up 10 times by, but yeah. in a bigger sense, I, I don't know if I'd classify this as failure, but I, it was a valuable mistake as an entrepreneur Would that mm. yeah. suffice. Absolutely. Coming out of 2020 with everything that was going on with COVID and I live in, um, you know, like Bloomington, normal Illinois. So, you know, 90% of my state's cornfields and rural towns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's just Midwest, you know, corn capital of the world. But a lot of these towns have uh, nursing facilities for elderly. And my grandma is 94 and she's, you know, she's the daughter of an Irish immigrant and she's spry. And her thing, and I think it's the thing that really kept her going and she's super healthy was she went and helped old people at the nursing home that she was older than. Hmm. So wow. think about that for a second. She was actually yeah. older than most of the people there. Well, anyway, wow. they closed it down in COVID and moved them up to Springfield, Illinois. She's down in Girard. And this is a long-winded story, but I'm, I'm going to tell you why I did what I did. So what happened was it became a, like she can't drive 45 minutes one way every day to do the thing that keeps her feeling young and spry and all that. And I just got to thinking about it and you look around and, and I started doing research and looking at this and, you know, with Susan's cancer and everything going through the healthcare system, it is the, if there's, and I was in financial services, which is highly regulated and, and a lot of red tape and a lot of bureaucracy, but the medical system is atrocious. I mean, it's terrible. So I had this idea that I would look at rolling all these rural medical facilities into one and into one entity because I could, you know, I could lead in space. I covered from like Champaign, Illinois to Des Moines, from Schaumburg to Spring. I mean, that's space. Like I could cover ground mm. and lead. And I figured it wasn't much different from a leadership aspect than it would be, you know, what I was doing. I mean, it's the same principles and stuff. So I started looking at this plan and I started formulating it and I started putting a lot of time into it. I actually spoke to like 400 people to be on my non-executive board. We looked at 4,000 different facilities. I spent enormous amount of time and energy and it, and everyone I talked to about it, by the way, loved it. I, and I'm not saying I'm never going to do it, by the way, but I didn't calculate the cost of focus to try to do that and maintain my gusher. Mm. Yep. And I wasn't raising capital because I've been in bed with that. And I didn't, and, and didn't want to involve private equity. And I didn't want to crowdfund. I just, I wanted to do seller finance with, you know, the mom and pop that has a 40 person bed or 25 beds out in the middle of nowhere. And that's all, that's a big pillar of that community. You know, like all these communities have a, a church, a grain elevator and a nursing home and now a dollar general and a Casey's. But like that's, so I made this foray into that. I made all this effort and then a bunch of things changed. The quiet quitting happened. They were unsafe mm -hmm. because people were not wanting to do the shifts. So labor killed it. In inflation on costs of uh, across the board, food, everything. So then the dream, when you looked at it through the acquisition, the margin went from like 20 or north to, to net zero to negative. And I had spent an mm -hmm. enormous amount of time on this. Wow. And now I got a great, I mean, I've learned a ton, made connections. I'm, I'm not financially fine. It just, what I learned was this, and I teach this now, it's called simple wealth. 
Mm-hmm. And I just keep this handy. And what I learned was, if you don't have this to where it's self-sustaining, those, the gusher, the gusher, and yeah. you try to go here, it's out of sequence. Is, so yeah, I, and, and I, for, for I know, those who are listening and can't see, yeah. just so explain. here I'll explain it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Please. A lot of people get bored with what they're doing, and they're all really good at it. I was guilty of that I was a financial advisor bringing in one more million dollar household was like. Chalk, you know, nails on a chalkboard. So I wanted, and I was getting pulled into leadership. And I don't know, that was great at it, whatever. I liked it. So, you know, what I was really good at, I could do in my sleep, and I had a process, and I teach it now on, on how to, you know, go out and acquire. I, I was pulled into leadership. So I gave that up. And it gave me more income, all these different things. But out here in the real world, like when your gusher is the thing you're the best at, if you take that and diminish it and try to go somewhere else with the capital and the time that risk is is pretty dramatic because now you have to replace it and then the world goes against you like and what can happen will so my lesson in that was i want to make decisions now on my capital allocation from the gusher based on three factors so imagine it's this way i have a gusher my primary business I have the markets, the equity stock markets. I have real estate, which everybody thinks they're you know real estate guru these days. My experience with real estate is, and I sold mine last summer because Rivian moved into my town, and mm. I like sold it. Nate, I mean, it was like nuts. So they mm-hmm. moved in all these people and executives and blah blah. But there's real estate, and then there's business acquisition. Yeah, you have to make the X's and O's makes sense. The, the revenue has to be there, the trajectory, all the pot, you know, I teach something called potholes. There's 43 potholes when you buy or sell a business. If you step in one, you're fucked. But here's the bigger decision making and what I learned from that mistake. You have to be willing to assess three things. Number one, what type of leverage do you want? Is it people leverage? Mm-hmm. Is it time leverage? Is it money leverage? Is it a combination of all three? Mm-hmm. Like if I go to buy a business, I'm probably leveraging money and people but then there's a new factor. What type of aggravation do you want to deal with? Mm. That's a big one. Like people underestimate the level of aggravation because if you're running your primary business and you add that when your aggravation level goes through the, could go through the roof. So you have to assess that. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at leverage, aggravation, and then return. Because if I go to the, the, the stock market, I have a dilution of return because it's a secondary market, but I have complete leverage of time. I don't, I, I'm just mm-hmm. doing it myself or paying a great broker or advisor. If mm-hmm. I buy real estate, I've got pretty good leverage of money and capital and decent leverage of time. But you, you know, I don't care who you are. If your tenant, you know, like mine dies or something, you're pretty aggravated. So my lesson, what led me to lead this thing called simple wealth was like, Maybe focus on that gusher more than you think you should. And I don't know if that was my mistake, but it told me like, hey, I can do seven figures on my phone, meaning I build a business on my phone. Maybe I should try doing some podcasts and like some social media and start a mastermind and maybe take that to eight figures Hmm. versus going and trying to buy into an industry that, yeah, I could lead it and I could get the, the, the industry experts, but that dil- the dilution of return went from 20, 15, 20% after I pay out the equity shares to the non-executive board to zero. 
So if I mm-hmm. was ass deep in, in the middle of one of those and all those factors hit at once, I'd be in real trouble. Hmm. So yeah. I don't know if you call that a mistake, but it taught me in a hurry where to focus my time and energy. So I went back to the drawing. Like I diminished my one-on-one coaching down. I kept like as people came off or I kept bringing it down so I could spend more time there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, all right, it, I got to make a big pivot. And I did. I started the mastermind. I got my calendar all filled up. We're doing podcasts one a week now. I've got a social media person we're meeting tomorrow at three. I mean, the mastermind was a smash. So like, it didn't take me long to go back to the gusher and get it really flowing again is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So what I learned in that and what I teach my people is be careful. I'm all about being fast and taking leaps of faith. Any numbers can look good. Any cell can look good. Any opportunity can look good. Look at those three factors again. How are you going to actually leverage that how diluted do you want the return to be? If you want the best return, it's the greatest aggravation. How mm-hmm. much of that do you want to live with? You yeah. know, you got five kids and, and a wife or you got a handful of kids. How mm-hmm. irritated do you want to be on a weekly basis? How many Sunday <laughs> afternoons and Saturday mornings do you want to be dealing with bullshit? I'm not mm-hmm. saying not to do it, but you may find going to that gusher and refining it first might be yeah. the same. Ret- it might be less dilution of return, you could probably work on the leverage and your aggravation will go down. Then you can yeah. allocate your capital. That was my lesson. Yeah. I don't know and if that's okay. It's, it's a good lesson. Um, you know, I'm currently going through the same exact thing, you know, n- knowing what the gusher is. Um, you know, it's, I, I, we could talk about this offline because, <laughs> uh, you know, we're running out of time here, brother. But uh, yeah, I, in I got two two more things, and then and then let's land this bird together. Okay. In that, um, in one word, how do you help people? And then I want you to share how people one word in touch with you. Yeah, one word. I think it's faith. Mm. I love it. It's good stuff, man. Let folks know how they can reach you, how they can get in touch, and potentially do some business together. The best way is go to realjoeblackburn.com. I've got one of those really cool book it now <laughs> buttons, um, but that's the best way to talk to me. And this is how I talk. So you're not going to get on and I'm going to go into like <laughs> online sales. I'm going to yeah. say, hey man, where are you at? Or hey, miss, where are you at? Where do you want to be? What's getting in your mm-hmm. way? How, you know, I, that's my process is like, if I can help you and we're fit, perfect. If not, best of luck. Yeah. 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 Awesome, brother. Well, I always appreciate the time that we spend together, man. Um, hopefully, uh, like I said, we'll we'll continue the conversation and reach out to Joe, and you'll know he's the dude, man. He he can help you, and he can help me. He can help a lot of people. So, uh, thanks for being on sh- on the show, brother. Very and I well. uh, appreciate you. Thank and you. I'll see you soon. Awesome, man. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, 
and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. Mm-hmm.